Podcast Post Month here on the Odd Data Podcast, where this week I have been running down my trip to Disney. I keep saying my trip, our family trip to Disney uh, from mid-October. And we are finally at the end of the road. I, I, I guess end of the road. We mean end of the road. It's the, we're driving home. It's the last days of our trip. <laughs> That's where we are. And so, yeah, and it's just been, it's been a fun time. That's, that's the best I can give you. Cause I mean, it, it was, it was a fun trip, but now it's time to go. And, ah, not as eventful of a drive home as, you know, running into a town full of fucking rocks and a volcano erupting, but we did have a bit of a scare on this drive because, okay, you say a few scares because, okay, we're back on the road again. And remember how when I was talking about the street signs and exits and things like that in California suck? And the way the signs are labeled on the highway, they don't give you exit numbers and road names at the same time and things like that, that I'm very much used to, both living in Arizona and Texas, where an exit will tell you, one, it'll tell you when the exit's coming up, and then it'll tell you the exit number and what that street is at that exit coming up. I did not see any of this. I would see exit numbers, maybe, and I would see street names. I could not associate the two together, and so I was having difficulty with trying to navigate bullshit. Never mind that we were trying to drive out of Anaheim at about 9 in the morning on a Thursday. So we are basically in the later part of morning rush hour traffic. <laughs> and so yeah traffic was a bitch and I actually missed our exit trying to get situated in the right way towards coming home and we ended up having to take a completely like GPS had to drag us through a bunch of uh, surface streets and to a back way because as is the stereotype of every major city in California there was a shit ton of road construction so Road construction, I had to take an alternate route to the way we came in, and shit loads of traffic meant I am like white knuckling it and having to deal with, oh yeah, all the drivers are also assholes, like I mentioned. So, until we got onto like open road, which is way the hell out, we basically, I'm, I'm like, I hope we're going the right way the whole way <laughs> until we were in open desert and I recognized shit again. Is it bad that in the city I didn't recognize anything? It wasn't until we were in the desert that I was comfortable again. 
But, yeah, it, it, it was such a pain in the ass doing it. And just the whole time we were in the city, the traffic was bleh. I hated it. I hate LA traffic. I'm not a big fan of traffic in general, but Phoenix traffic I'm more comfortable with. Maybe it's just because I'm used to it. And, like, I, I can be driving in downtown Phoenix in gridlock, and I'm more comfortable, as much as I hate it, I'm more comfortable than I was driving the freeways in California for a couple of days. But some fun things happened while we were driving. One of which was, while my brother was, not necessarily my story, my brother, while they were driving to the airport because they were actually flying out of LAX. And so they were driving back to the airport. They get cut off by a guy. Turns out he was being chased by police. Turns out he was headed towards the airport. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw this high-speed chase in L.A. a few weeks ago. Or whenever you're listening to this. But this guy drives and he, you know, is doing the, you know, running from the cops thing at the airport in L.A. And ends up, you know, like they do, dumping the car and going. And he's like standing on a bridge or something like that. And... You know, like they get, like they do. <laughs> you run from the cops, then you get out of the car, then you go and climb on a bridge or some shit and threaten to jump. It's kind of standard operating procedure, I think. Well, meantime, my brother's trying to get situated, returning their car. And of course, well, because this chase has been going around at the airport, they lock down the airport. And as they are going up to the rental car return, they're like, oh, you know, it's a good thing you got here right now. We just got the call. We had to shut down the booth. We weren't going to be able to take your car in, but you're good. <laughs> so we're, you know, probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours on the road when we're getting this news. And then my wife and one of the boys are actually watching the live stream of this whole incident on their phones while we're driving. So... Then we get to, again, the guy is on a bridge. You know, they've got the crash pads and all the stuff. And so that, you know, if in the event he falls or jumps or whatever happens, they've got, you know, a pad down there to catch him. That sort of shit. Like they do. But we're listening to the news broadcast. And they, they had, they, they made the most California comment I could possibly ever hear, ever, and they were talking about how inconsiderate this man was about how his run, you know, him fleeing the police and his, you know, standing on the bridge, you know, possibly about to jump, potentially committing suicide, whatever, how incon how that was inconveniencing travelers today. Like, really? Really? High speed chase through... LAX, guy's about to jump off a fucking bridge, and you were inconvenienced. Oh no. How terrible your life must be. Your plane is delayed because there was a, a, a guy, uh, they had to close the airport. How terrible for your travel plans were slightly disrupted by a guy with obvious mental issues and psychological issues that needs help. Somebody who is right now at this very moment potentially, 
going to kill himself, or at least attempt to do so, and I'm sorry, did that inconvenience your travel plans, you fuckwit? Ah, <sighs> fucking California. <laughs> it was just like, wow, they really just said that. Like, oh, I'm sorry, you're, how we're inconveniencing Trump. Really? Ah. Fuckwits. Fucking California. Ah. <laughs> Glad to not be there. Hate to say it. No, I don't hate to say it. I'm from Arizona. Fuck California. Ah. <laughs> I'm going to get a fucking letter from Gavin Newsom or some bullshit like that, I swear. Anyway, moving along. They, everybody got, you know, eventually, you know, things settled down. We had to stop watching, or they had to stop watching the streams because they're not exactly the most appropriate thing for my teenage, barely teenage son to be watching, especially if this guy actually jumps. Which I say, knowing that I, like, fully knowing that I watched the O.J. Simpson chase from beginning to end when I was a kid. <laughs> so, it's just saying, it's a different age of parenting. All right, we're back on the road. Car chase over. We're back on the road. We're observing stuff we didn't observe. Like a massive, what was the fucking brand? I think it was, it wasn't Adidas. It was like Vans or, I'm, I'm blanking now. But there were like massive factories. Like shoe factories with like full, I was like, God, it must have been like a quarter mile long shoe factory. It was, I, I wish I could remember what it is right now, but holy shit! I like it was just the craziest thing. All these massive like manufacturing, because it was like shoe factories, and things like this that we kept seeing, and they all had a like like a, a, a company store basically attached to their building, and it was it was like kind of the cool thing. I was like, oh damn, that is cool. And, like, I bet you can get, like, the really cool shoes. And they've got, like, everything there because they're that's where they make it. That's, it was, like, kind of cool. But probably the most exciting thing. Because when we passed by the volcano, it was no longer erupting. Sorry to say. But probably the most exciting thing the whole time. Okay, besides the car chase thing. Didn't how much happen to us. It happened so much more to my brother. But besides the car chase thing, the most exciting thing happened when we were just trying, just is the process of getting home. Just driving home. Because I'm somebody who I watch, especially when we're on long trips, I watch my, I've got the little thing that tells me what my gas mileage is on in the car. So I watch that. And it's like, oh, I'm getting this much mileage. Oh, oh we're doing... It's like, yeah, we're up to 22 miles per gallon or whatever. It's, you know, and it's like, oh, we're, we're up to here. We're up to here. And I'm like excited that our mileage is doing so well. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And all this and like looking and, you know, it's got, oh, you're averaging 21 and a half miles to the gallon. And like, okay, awesome. It's like, you have this many miles left until you're empty. I'm like, all right, Awesome. And I'm doing the math. I'm like, okay, it's this much, this far. Okay, the, the, the. All right, we're going to make it home on this tank. Sounds great. All right, keep going. We're driving, we're driving, we're driving. A few hours later, I look down 
And when I had initially done the calculations and everything was looking at the mileage and the, the distance to empty and all that stuff, and I was like, awesome, we're going to make it home and we should still have about 30, 40 miles on the tank. We're good. We're getting, we're making, we're getting good mileage. Things are going good. Except driving home, we were driving uphill straight into the wind. And because I had, up to this point, just kind of was like, okay, chugging along. Go, 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 go. Here we go. I wasn't looking at that number as both of those numbers were very quickly plummeting. And I looked up at one point, and my, were, you know, we were doing 22 plus miles to the gallon. And then I look up, and it's in the 18s. And my... 130 miles we're like oh we were about 100 miles from home and i've got 130 miles left on my tank we're good we'll get home with gas to spare great i look and i've got less than 40 miles left on my tank and we are in the middle of nowhere at which point we immediately have to pull up GPS and I have to start scrambling to look for a gas station and we finally find one the nearest gas station is about 30 miles away I have 35 miles left on my tank so I'm trying very calm like I'm, I'm concerned my wife is freaking out because we're like, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere. We don't have like a gas can or anything like that. I mean, we've got AAA and all that, but still, we're in the, in the middle of fucking nowhere. And we're at least in Arizona by this point. Uh, but we're we're like, oh shit. We're kind of getting a little nervous. And it's kind of our, our dynamic. The more freaked out my wife gets, the more calm I have to get because we can't both of us freak out at the same time. But we finally make... Our way, and we're like, we're like, okay, we're going GPS tag this look, this gas station. That's where we're going. It's this far. We okay. Well, below, once my gas gauge gets below a certain point, my little how many miles do you have left? My distance to empty just says low tank. So right about the point where it crossed below thirty miles left, it just says low low tank. Or, uh, you know, low fuel, whatever. So, for the almost the entirety of our nerve-wracking drive from middle of nowhere, oh shit, we need gas, to the gas station, I actually had no clue if we were going to make it. I, I had no, I was like, I was going by the last time I saw a number... It was 35 when we had 30 miles, so we should be able to make it. Now, if you're, again, doing the math, if we're getting about 19, 18, 19 miles to a gallon, and I've only got 5 miles worth of gas to spare, I have, like, a cup. <laughs> so, like, literally, like, a cup of gas extra. Maybe two cups of gas extra in my tank 
that's like what's in the lines basically from the back of the tank up to the engine that is the amount of spare of, of wiggle room i have on my gas tank and if the wind is bad that can bring my numbers down i could start you know having a fight more and, and like shit you know five miles is not a lot of wiggle room when you're running out of gas and so we're just like sweating like uh okay okay we're no we're gonna do it we're gonna make it we're fine we'll make it we'll make it no it's okay we're gonna get there my wife's still freaking out and i didn't tell her until very close that like i have no clue how many miles are left i don't know what how much is left because it's you know it just stopped telling me about 20 miles ago so i have no clue so we're like probably 10 minutes out and we're like really don't know we just that's the whole thing we don't know are we going to make it am i going to have to push it you know to last however long or are we going to have to call for help or whatever am i going to have to walk up there buy a gas can come back fill it up i don't know but fortunately we did make it we managed to pull in and i had filled up my gas tank it was like like five bucks out where we were because we were out in the boonies. But, like, if you're familiar with the Phoenix roads and how everything is laid out in a grid, so east to west, everything are numerical. So if you're west of central, everything's an avenue. If you're east of central, everything's a street, and it's just numerical. So... I live out near a hundred like, and your address will correspond to that. So I live out in the one forties in the one forties in the avenues. So when, and, and you know, I live with surprise surprises way out from the city. <laughs> we are way out again. I'm 140 blocks from central Phoenix. well, this gas station was at 411th Avenue because even that far out, they keep that naming convention for the roads in East Valley. You get it so far and they like Mesa and some of them are like, no, we don't want to keep doing that. We're going to change it up ourselves. Like you guys suck. It screws up trying to figure out where your shit is. But in the West side, we don't care. We carry it all out into the four fucking hundreds. <laughs> so, I ended up looking up the sign, the street sign when we got gas was 411th Avenue and Indian School Road. And I'm like, holy shit, really? <laughs> like, so from there on, as we're driving in, after we fill up and we're driving back in, I'm looking at what the exits are. We're like, like oh, we're at 250th Avenue. <laughs> Like we've gone, we've already gone a hundred a av- hundred blocks. We're great. <laughs> like we're making great time. <laughs> Just like really, four hundred eleventh Avenue in Indian School, and there was like a cluster of gas stations right there. Like they know you've just crossed the desert, and are probably about to run out of gas, or they're they know they are the last gas for like fifty miles. You know. But there's a cluster of gas stations right there in that spot. But, yeah. <laughs> Once I filled up, we're like, okay, <sighs> calm down, relax, we're good. 
all right, we're going to be fine. We'll make it home. I think I ran that, that tank of gas for a week after we got home. Because I only ever used that car for work. But huh. <laughs> we made it. We got home. Everybody got home. We, uh, you know, started. You know, everybody unloaded, got all their stuff out. And then I proceeded to unpack everything, break down, you know, get the... Because I don't think I mentioned that, you know, besides we have the the roof rack that I put on, we still had a cargo bag that we used to use for the boys' taekwondo tournaments. Before I got the rack, I got a cheaper, just a big heavy-duty bag for cargo, which is great, and it fits a ton of stuff. It's really a great thing if you don't want to put a full-size permanent roof rack on your car. But it's kind of a pain in the ass to manage because you got to put it up there, load it, zip it all up, put your little weather Velcro straps down, and then strap the whole thing down to either, I've got rails on my, on the top of the car, or hook it to your windows or whatever, and then, you know, get adjusted and strapped down nice and tight and everything. Kind of a pain to do. Well, I mentioned that the weather report was completely wrong while we were driving out. We were expecting a possible, well, and it was also slight, it was also raining slightly when we left. So, like, we were facing the, the chance of getting rained on. So, like, okay, I can't put any of our bags open, like, open in the roof rack. I'm going to have to put the cargo bag in there to protect us if it rains. So, I've got the roof rack and the cargo bag. So, I then have to open up, you know, unstrap the cargo bag from the roof rack, get all the bags and, and luggage and everything out, then, un, you know, undo the whole uh, look bag fold that shit back up and get it packed away in its little thing and then continue getting everybody's shit and then get everybody's stuff inside and start get laundry going because if we don't we're just going to leave it in damn suitcases so you know uh, but we made it we made it home after a, a nerve-wracking drive and three days of California crazy fun and, and stress and fun and stress. And it was kind of a cycle. We had, a, we had our first Disney vacation. <sighs> I don't know if I would do it again as the whole big thing. I mean, no, I would. I'd take it back. I would. I'd do it again. Again, I already said I'd love to just go back and just do the Oogie Boogie Bash because that was a blast. But I think we need to go back and spend two days for Disneyland alone. Really spend more time. Go back for Oogie Boogie Bash. Spend two days at Disneyland. We, we've done it. We've had a successful California adventure run. But we could do it again. I could do it again. Easier to do California adventure in one day than Disneyland. We missed so much at Disneyland. We do need to go back with our, our new knowledge of how to do Disneyland and have that real fun. You know, we, we didn't go on splash mountain or any of those type of things. We, we really did miss a lot at Disneyland. So I think we need to go back and do Disneyland just to experience all the stuff we missed the first time. So yeah, I would do it again. Definitely would plan more mentally prepare for it. We have a better idea what we're going in for how to navigate but it was fun. It was a good trip. The boys had a blast. We came home with a shit ton of candy. And 
Yeah. <laughs> all in all, a successful Disney vacation, if I do say so myself. Now we just need to save up, you know, maybe get a seventh mortgage and, <laughs> I don't know, sell something, maybe a kidney to afford another Disney trip. But that is it. Ah, that is what we're doing. Let me backtrack. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to start the music earlier. All right. That is it. Disney trip over. Thank you for listening all week to this. I will be back. I, I have a topic for tomorrow. Something that if I wasn't covering the Disney thing, I would have been talking about today or yesterday. But if you know me, you know what's coming. If you don't know me and you're just listening to this, eh, you'll learn something about me. Anyway, tomorrow, bit of a sad day. Now you may know. Anyway, I'm getting out of here. Thank you and good night.